0: This episode of Diamond Talk is brought to you by Megaseats.com. Megaseats.com is your go-to websites for buying tickets for your favorite sporting events, concert, or theater. Yeah, you heard me right. Go see a Yankee game during the day, then go see Springsteen on Broadway at night. It's that easy. This website is awesome. There are no service fees ever. There's no shipping to get you your tickets. And the website is super user-friendly. And right now, use the code Network for 10% off. I went and checked it out. I looked myself. You get a great map of the venue. You get to see where your seats are to watch whatever you're going to be watching. And when you enter in that code, you do get 10% off. And there's no service fees or shipping added. So the price you see is the price that you're actually going to pay. And I'm used to having to click through a couple different screens to see what my actual price is. Best thing about this website is whatever you see on that screen as you're perusing tickets, that is the price you're going to see on your receipt. So go to megaseats.com and get your tickets for the next sporting event. And we'll see you on the field.
1: Body. welcome back to diamond talk and yo, know we, we know you guys are like crack addicts like we've seen it we've seen you drug addicts at work you see one trade rumor and now you're just like itching for like oh who can we throw away i'll give you a shoe and, and like some some like expired bubble gum out of the bottom of my shoe for juan soto stop it people we're gonna get into it today though uh we're here with rob and nick we're gonna be talking all about where we see Soto going, if anywhere. He's definitely going somewhere, but we'll talk about that. Rob, Nick, how you guys doing?
2: I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Yeah, definitely a lot of Juan Soto trade rumors, but like we talked about it before, if your owner's not willing to put the cash out there, your owner ain't trying to spend money like that, don't get any type of real hope that you're going to acquire what's going to be the wealthiest contract in, in MLB history. So definitely some good Juan Soto conversation coming up.
0: Yeah, same man. If you don't have the money for it, just stay out of the race. You ain't got enough for the money. As far I mean, he's. I quote a couple weeks ago, seven hundred million. I think it's gonna stay right there. So he's gonna be doing his Soto shuffle in a new uniform by the end of the season for sure.
1: Yo, it is. It is insane. Seven hundred million. Yo, you know right now, uh, what's his name? Damn, I forgot what's his agent's name. I, I, it's like I tip my tongue. Um, I'm gonna say Rosenhaus, that's the NFL, Scott Boris, Scott Boris, right now oh. is out there looking at different islands and which one he wants to buy at this point he's like at dr like yo I, we have a whole bunch of prospects here i'll just buy this whole island like fuck it like we'll take haiti too like we can put that in the deal too i'll give you part of my you know like a percent of my net worth, and we'll just hire like a we'll just have a baseball academy here It's yo it's insane it is insane but nothing's more insane than the trade the trade proposals we've seen so far like th- that's what i want to get into right because the trade package for something like this, it's gonna be nuanced, right? I, like I don't think like like I think if you're thinking, yo, we'll trade you like our scrub left fielder, and our top prospect, it will get it done. Like that's not that's not the way it's gonna work. That's not the way it's gonna work. So, you know what I want to talk about is what teams do you think have the best possibilities, right? Rob already mentioned you're gonna to have to have money, which you know. Even the teams with money really don't have that much money right now, if, if you really think about it, just because of uh, the, the way the are constructed. Yo, know, Rob, I'll start it off with you. If you were to put your, 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 your Magic Houdini hat on and give me a prediction for where Juan Soto's going, like, like what are you thinking?
2: Oh, uh, man, that's a tough one because I think I – look, it's like you, you mentioned. It becomes such a tough scenario to come up with a trade package for a player of the value of a Juan Soto. I've said before, you know, we have different conversations about Shohei Otani's, Mike Trouts. We have all types of different conversations, but Juan Soto is a Barry Bonds S, Ted Williams S like level hitter. Like, and we're just talking about, we're just talking about approach. We're talking about I, you know, how your your discipline at the plate, that type of level hitter, that type of reliable bat. He's not going to put up. I'm not saying he's a 400 level hitter like a like a Ted Williams or anything like that, or or a 70 home run guy like Bonds. I'm just saying his 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 approach at the plate replicates that. He's one of the most skilled hitters in baseball. He's going to get the wealthiest contract in baseball history. It, the it, the floor is going to be 400 million. Like that's just that's just very that's very realistic, because it it a lot of people will say you know. Oh, a couple years ago, we had Mookie Betts get traded to the, to the Dodgers, right? Oh, it might be a similar situation like that. And look at the return that the Red Sox got for, for Mookie Betts. It's not a similar situation. Juan Soto's 23. Juan Soto's 23 years old and already and already better. Like he, Juan Soto is a better player than Mookie Betts. I am, I am comfortable making that statement. Like that's just the reality of the situation. And he will be paid as such. But because of that, it it becomes very, very tough to kind of predict like what teams are going to be able to offer him. Look, I said it. You have to have money. Whenever you're talking money, you're probably looking at even even if they haven't spent recently, but you know, teams that, that are we've seen that are going to be willing to spend. You have a Yankees, you have a Dodgers, you have a San Francisco Giants. You you probably, Mets, you know and Mets. Yeah. And Mets, you know, in, in the in the shadows, in the shadows, maybe a Red Sox you know, like if they, if they decide to go that route, because they definitely can, if they wanted to maybe a Chicago Cubs, if they wanted to right? like it, just from a financial aspect. But again, once you start looking at at the fact that it's not just the financial aspect, because you're not just offering him a contract, it's what you have to give the nationals in return for one of the premier players in baseball. Then it gets tricky because like I said before, Any team that trades for Juan Soto, you're giving up three to four immediately. You're giving up three to four of your top seven prospects, like in your farm system. That's just a guarantee. And then it it turned into a situation where you have to have some type of probably sustainable major league level talent that you can also include in that package. Like you're probably looking at, 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 you probably have to send a top level reliever you know, or something back, maybe, maybe a number three or number four starter, like that type of thing. Like it, again, it's very hard to predict. Um, it's not hard to predict the teams that will be involved, but it's very hard to predict like what the actual package is going to be, because I just don't think that, um, li- like you said, a lot of people talk about prospects, you know, like, and, and even between the two of us, like you, you know, you, have, you and me have two, two different ways of like talking about prospects. Right. But I think a lot of people just Put this crazy value on it, and I was thinking about it the other day, where it it really does become a situation where teams really, it's not so much about how the the prospect actually produces in the minor leagues. If we actually take a step back and look at it, a prospect's highest value is probably whatever your peak ranking is on the MLB Top 100, right? Because th- that's what teams kind of rely on to to put value on a guy, right? Like if you look. Yeah, go ahead. So, so I just want to touch on that point because I think that point's a little bit
1: misguided on on the fans part of part of it, mm-hmm. where that MLB ranking one everyone's ranking is done a different way as far as what they are considering, right? Like so, yeah. whether it's MLB readiness, whether it's potential talent, whether it's you know h- how close they can be to a major league contributor, right? So like, just for for example, you know a guy like Jason Dominguez who's seventeen years old is he probably better than some of the center fielders they have in front of that? that, he's, that is in front of him? Yes. Those, are just, those guys are just more major league ready, right? So they're not right. saying that guy is better than, like they're not saying the number two guy is better than the number 54 guy. They're just saying the number two guy is probably more ready to contribute on that major league level based on age, based on you know, where they see them projecting. But I think the one thing where, where, where us fans get fucked up on is like the, 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 the farm systems of these teams are so deep that unless you're really on the ground with those teams, like, you're full of shit if you say you know who's going, right? Because we see a lot of these 17-, 18-year-olds that get kind of as a, a, a second thought when, when the trade goes through and then it comes back a few years later and you're like, who the fuck was that? Why did we trade me so right. good, <laughs> right? We saw it for Jr. We've seen it with Jordan Alvarez. Guys that were no names in these trades. And now they're like, oh, fuck, this is, like, the best player in the fucking game. Why wasn't this guy being talked about? Well, yeah. he was 16, and, and it was hard to project him at that point. So, you know, I just want to put that ca- caveat out there because I, I know that when we talk about these trades, that's one of the problems I always have with it, right? Like where people just throw out these like, oh, hey, like these guys are ranked at the top 100. So they're obviously great players and they should definitely get traded for it. where it's not like the rankings do us a disservice as fans when we talk about the trade. I, I just want to put that out there for, 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 for like everybody else because I know w- without that context, the rest of this is going to be useless.
2: Right. No. Yeah. And, and then before before we move on to Nick, no, like the thing about the rankings that I just wanted to add for like a bit of context is because I started to think about it in the last couple of days as like for, just from a value perspective. Right. Like you have to take advantage of whatever rank, what, what, no matter what type of weight you put in it. Right. I think as an MOB team, you have to take advantage of whatever rank your prospects are at, because that could be their very peak. Like, for example, we have very different opinions on Anthony Volpe. right? Right. Who's a top prospect of the Yankees. But, but the argument is if Anthony Volpe is currently ranked number seven, number eight, right? Overall, overall, then the Yankees should cash in on the value that having the title of the number seven or number eight prospect has, you know, because there is a very, like, I know what you explained of, you know, like later on. Yeah, for sure. And we've seen some examples of guys, you know, who never reach that top prospect rank and then outplay top prospects. We definitely see that, but from a basic standpoint when you're working out trade negotiation, right? Like in a trade negotiation between GM and GM, I don't know how deep like a GM is going to go to be like I want that 30th ranked guy in your farm because I know that that guy is going to be the special guy in the future, right? Whereas like a GM is probably more inclined to be like Oh yeah, these are the three guys you're giving me. Let me take a look here. Oh yeah, okay. So he's ranked number seventh, number th- you. You get what I'm saying? Like, they, I, I, no, so I, I think, I think that's the part where, where, where we get mixed up on.
1: And we'll okay. get to next to something here because I, I don't think that GMs and and internal departments really put that much um, rank behind those those like uh, rankings because they have their own internal rankings, right? Like, their their scouting department, which is pretty deep usually. Um, obviously, the more money you have, the more the, the more deep it is. Uh, unless you take the Rays, but they make, they have their own rankings and, and they have their own criteria of, of what they go off, right? So, like, someone, like, like Jeter Downs, you know what I mean? Like, Jeter Downs was obviously high on the Dodgers list before they, they traded him, they got him from the Reds. But around the league, everyone else was kind of just like, yeah, we're good off that. We're probably not trading any big pieces for that. Um, You know, so, so, so my point is, I, th- I think that the, the people inside, right? Like, so the GMs and, and the player directors, stuff like that, they don't really take, like, these lists are more for the fans than it is for the, the, the internal departments is what I'm trying to get, get, get at. You know what I mean? Like,
2: like oh, so for instance. Yeah. No, no, I, I get it. I'm, I'm just saying like, I, I'm just saying like, even if the list is for the fans, I, I don't think just, just from a, just from a player skill value level. Right. I also don't think that whatever your internal list is, is crazy different. Right. Like, I don't think that if, for example, just using our own prospect, right, if Anthony Volpe is ranked seventh overall in MLB, right, if a GM has him ranked 20th, right, that's understandable. I don't think a GM is going to have him ranked 80th. You know, like there's still, there's still some high value there that I just don't think there's that much of a separation gap. Like we might see it when it comes to actual play, like when they reach yeah. the major league level. But I don't think in negotiations it kind of goes like that. I think we just disagree on 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 yeah, that yeah, part yeah. of it.
1: Sure, no, that, that you know, yeah. Yo, Nick, what about you, bro? Where, where are you at on all this?
0: He's in a perfect spot. To Rob's point, he's twenty three, and he's coming off of dominant years. He's not coming off of one MVP season, so you know there's not that. But we're talking about, to Rob's point, this is one of the most dominant hitters. I mean, he gets into guys like Zach Greinke's head. Like, he's pissed off Zach Granke just by doing his little shuffle. This dude's approach, the way he hits, the way he gets on base, is really unmatched at this age. He's got two years left pre-arbitration, so he has team control for two years. That's another really, really big point because that just increases his value coming back. Realistically, this guy, he's going to bring back two major leaguers. I'm not saying all-stars, but I'm saying, you know, maybe platoon. One everyday guy, one platoon guy. But that's going to perform on whatever team he goes to. Plus you've got to have a top 15 prospect. And Daniel, I agree with you. The numbers are the numbers as far as general sense. And that that's not everybody's top 15, but you're going to have to get a consensus top 15 guy where every GM's like, I do want that guy on my team. That's a piece I need for my future. And then you're going to have two or three more top 50 guys in a general sense. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot to this and I have not dug it enough. It really is almost like a sign and trade in, um, in the NBA where whatever team he's going to has gotta it's gotta be a contract right away and it's also gotta almost be like a we've talked to him kind of sorta of. like we have this internal thing with Scott Boris. The other thing too is this has got to be a set where the Nationals if they trade in division they're gonna to have to be blown away with the package even more so than normal and they've got to be a good trade partner. That's the only reason I think the Dodgers even though they traded away so much stuff last year are in play is because these two teams have traded together at a high level before. But realistically, for me, the spot that he goes is it's up in the air because there's so many different things. His contract, I will say, is a minimum of $250 million. And here's why I say that. 23 years old, you will be 24 this year. You're going to give him five years at $50 million. Or he's gonna be, he is going to be over a half billion dollars. There's no way around it. You don't sign this guy for anything long term without being over a half billion, I don't think. And the highest AAV right now is 46 and a half, I believe, with Trevor Bauer. Or somebody's, like, right around 46 and a half, right?
1: Yeah, 46 and a half is uh, Scherzer.
0: Okay, so.
2: yeah, um, if, you, Bor- if you compare him with, like, if you compare him with, like, positional player, it's, it'd be, like, 36. Because that's what, that's what Trout, yeah. is, like, that's what Trout's getting right
0: now. So he's yeah, definitely you know, going to break that 36. Boris is going for that at AAV with Juan Soto, for sure. And he's going he's to go for 47 million a year as the AAV. It's just a matter of what team is going to go for how long. Um, a yeah. team, believe it or not, that I see as a really good fit, and there is not a lot of research to this, but in just a, when you think about a having the money, b let's be real, you need a franchise guy. That's what Juan Soto was going to be for this who's team. Say
1: it? I, I think we might have the same team, but say it. Who's your team? Yo, right now for me is the Pittsburgh Pirates. <clears> oh my God! He no, that's not that's <coughs> Jesus. It's the we,
0: Pittsburgh. Pirates.
2: such it's a left turn yo, there. Yo, yo, Nick is oh working on his own behalf here. <laughs>
0: <We're, don't, laughs> But, yo, so let's think about it. They've got Brian Reynolds, who they just signed to a two-year, $13.5 million contract. He has been an all-star, and that is team control for two years. You can mess with contracts. So they've got an everyday center fielder. You can pull a bunch of different – Daniel Vogel back. The Pirates don't care about him. He is a serviceable first baseman for the Nationals. I know they got Josh Bell, but DH says a whole lot of things. You- so you have two major leaguers that go back. <clears throat> and realistically, they're not doing anything with O'Neill Cruz right now. They are just letting him play down AAA, even though he doesn't need to be might be a Super 2 reason, but still, they're, they're manipulating his playing time for sure. And I don't know if they're doing it intelligently. And they have a good track record of prospects. Austin Meadows has turned out to be okay. Tyler Glasnow turned out to be okay. I mean, they're, they're not, don't get me wrong, they're not your starting center fielder or your starting, you know, actually, Tyler Glasnow is an ace. They've got guys that have come out of that system. Garrett Cole, arguably the best pitcher in baseball from the Pirates' farm system, right? They have a track record of these things, particularly around pitching. And they have some deep pitching. So there's a few other teams out there that I really think might make some sense. Like the Marlins with the pitching that they have. That was a team that I thought you were going to say, you started off with Pittsburgh. Marlins are a great
1: choice in my opinion, but don't.
0: (laughs) I just, I just go with Pittsburgh because they have the major league talent ready. That's ready to go right now. They have the mixture of bats that are high level and arms that are high level. They have a track record and they need the franchise guy. The reason the Marlins weren't my first pick is because their ownership is fucking stupid. You just let Derek Jeter go. Like, I don't trust you to do anything right going forward. That's all it is. But uh, this, this is going to be crazy. There's so many. There's a lot to look at with this one. This might be the most intense trade talks that had, there's ever been in MLB because it is the perfect – Mike Trout's contract was a perfect storm of performance, age, durability, team need, all that stuff. It was – it could not have been any better for Mike Trout the way that went down. This could not be better, any better for Juan Soto, but also the Nationals. They really could be contending next year if this goes right.
1: Yeah, and and you know I think it depends. You, you got to get into the head of the Nationals and and think about what do they really want, right? So it's it's my opinion that what they're really looking for is pitching. You know, if you look at if you look at the last few, probably for a while, if you look back at at the World Series winners, even with the Nationals, it was about pitching, right? Like Juan Soto was on that team, and and Juan Soto's role was key, but they're not there without Max Scherzer. They're not out there without Steven Strasburg staying healthy for for a season, right? Like, even Patrick Corbin that year was going bonkers. So I think if if you're the Nationals, and I think if you're most teams that have a prospect like this, what you want back is guys that are going to be a part of your rotation, right? If you can find someone who's a high-end one, you know, which if you look around the league, young guys that would be a high-end one, you know, not that I think Seattle's going to be anywhere near this, but, you know, a Logan Gilbert is someone you probably look at as, hey, we, we he he's pitched some innings let's bring this guy in here um with the reason the reason why i think the marlins are such a good kind of um pick for them is look they have arms for days we know that we've talked about their young young arms we've talked about the the, the farm system and how they have guys that are still coming up right they're like 7 8 deep and they're young guys the Marlins also are a pretty big market it just sucks for baseball because they you know you know, you mentioned the whole Derek Jeter thing. But this is a team that gave Giancarlo Stanton at the time the highest, the highest, what's it called, contract ever. in maybe All, of All of it.
0: All of it was the highest.
1: Yeah. So, you know, do I think that they're not willing to do that again with Asoto if they think if he's going to be there for the next 15 years and he's going to attract fans and also, you know, help you win? You know, we, we mentioned that what they're missing is really star power. So, you know. Different you ownership,
0: Soto. though. It's not even a different manager or GM. Yeah, this you know, it's is a whole different, different team own. there, yeah. yeah.
1: I'm just saying, if you talk about pieces and money, I think that's one that um, might be getting underlooked now. Bro, you throw jazz in that motherfucker? Like, who
2: knows? Like,
1: uh, you know, that's a like legit guy right now.
2: Yeah, let, uh, ha- let me ask you a question just based off of one of the names that you brought up because you did bring up Logan Gilbert. And yeah. I think, look, the Seattle Mariners are one team that I don't know how heavy they would get involved in Juan Soto talks, like in terms of the financial aspect, right? right. Like, because it's going to be a heavy contract. However, that's not me saying that we have not seen them be willing to go that route before, because they did. You know, they signed Robinson Cano when Robinson Cano was one of the hottest hitters in baseball. They 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 were willing they to invest it. high in I mean, Robinson did Cano. They them
1: before they got yeah. The
2: and and you know, not for nothing if we if we remember too, like uh, this is more of like conspiracy theory, right? But like, look, Robinson Cano played with with uh, Nelson Cruz, right? We, we know Nelson Cruz signed with the Nationals this season. Nelson Cruz has not necessarily been hitting great for the Nationals at all this year. However, Nelson Cruz is a veteran presence in a locker room. He is a guy that a lot of, um, you know, the, the young Latino guys look up to as a, as a guy who's done it in the major leagues, right? A guy who's played in Seattle, a guy who can, you know, potentially be in Juan Soto's ear. Like, hey, you should, you should give Seattle a look as, as a market. And not for nothing, Seattle probably has prospects and stuff to give back. Like yeah. they they'll, they have a top shortstop prospect. I know. Look, you mentioned pitching, not necessarily the level of a, of a Logan Gilbert. Can they send a a George Kirby, who's a top thirty prospect right now, to the to the Nationals on the pitching end? Like they could probably put a probably package yeah. together. And from a, I look at it, I look at it this way too. Look at their competition in the division. Juan Soto, an acquisition of Juan Soto for Seattle would make them seem like a legitimate contender in that division. Because even if we look at Julio Rodriguez, let's say, and again, this is just assumption. I'm assuming Julio Rodriguez is going to turn into a star, right? Julio Rodriguez is probably the highest star level player that I see on the Seattle Mariners right now. Compare that with the division. The Angels have Trout, Otani, Rendon, the Astros are the Astros. They have talent all over the place. Yeah. Even even Texas invested in a in a whatever we think of them, but they invested in yeah. a Seager and Simeon, right? Like they're Brandy trying to put up who's got some flash. Yeah, they they're trying to put more than star more than one star together and on Seattle's end, what if they put together a package? You know, here's I, again, not we're not going to like argue value or stuff, but you know yeah. like here's a Kirby, here here's a here's a, a uh novi here's a here's a kalenic here's a here's a whatever it is you know like it's just like it turned into a situation where they could put a package together and just potentially join the juan soto sweepstakes even though i'd probably put them at the lower end but i think they're a team that should be talked about here's another thing
0: that i want to talk about just for one specific reason and it's not even the team i want this is purely selfish to see historical baseball happen for juan soto send his ass to the giants to work with barry bonds on a regular basis
1: I think it's a possibility. I, I honestly it it possibility. is.
0: And I didn't want to be the old Giants homer, but specifically I would love to see what that coaching staff and a couple guest appearances from Barry Bonds could do for Juan Soto. My God.
1: You know, I, so with Soto, you have to talk about the ramifications that happens if you go to those teams. Right. Cause that's part of it too. Right. Like we, we can't act like everyone's payroll set to zero just because. Yeah, no. of it. <laughs> right. No, it's so, a
2: very big discussion. It's a very so, big discussion. You
1: know, Nick mentioned the Giants, and, and for me, I have the Giants signing Aaron Judge next year. I think that's where Aaron Judge lands.
2: They have the money to do it, right? Um,
1: I don't know. I think he if
2: he leaves. leaves. I'll say that. I'm not, I'm not just going to give Judge yeah, to, the, yeah. to the Yankees, but I say if he leaves the Yankees, Giants are number one destination.
1: So, so, so I'll, I'll put this with it, right? Like, if the Yankees are going to be serious players with Juan Soto, which I don't, I don't really think they're going to be, right? That just doesn't seem the way that they're doing business nowadays. Do I hope they do? Absolutely. I just don't think that's what's really in their plans. Like, Aaron Judge might be one of those people where it's like, okay, like, we, we loved what you did for us this year. Maybe you won us to ring. Maybe you didn't. We'll see that in, in, you know when that happens, if that happens. Um, but we're sticking by our guns and saying that based on our analytics and our track record, after you turn 35, you're pretty much going to be a junk car, <laughs> right? Like, and, and, and I'm not saying they're going to say that, but let, let's say they go with that. To me, the Giants are the next team to, to step up there and say, hey, look, we're not going to offer you the 300 you want, but, you know, I don't think anyone's going to send, um, send you more than 280. Come, come play with us, or, or, or whatever the situation we meet, right? So I think the Dodgers, I mean, the Giants are a legitimate chance. With with the Dodgers, right? Because they're, they're a team that we have to talk about with this thing. Yo, last year, the Nationals literally did as much research as they could on every one of your players. Every one of them, right? Like, there's not one player that they didn't, like, flip upside down and say, hmm, do we want this? The package for Scherzer and for Turner, and, you know, I get it. Someone says, oh, Turner and Scherzer were gonna re- weren't going to resign though. it um, wasn't guaranteed, so the value came down. As true as that may be, the power in those negotiations still went to the Nationals. Because believe me, the Dodgers weren't the only team in that, 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 that were trying to look for trades, right? Especially when you had a team like San Diego, who, in my opinion, has better prospects as far as high talent. Than the Dodgers do. I don't see the Dodgers pulling off a trade for this one. Like, like whoever they would have wanted would have been asked for already. Right? Um, with with the with the Padres, the Padres are another real possibility. One, we know they want to spend. They've already got um Tatis Jr. signed up for the next billion years. They have Machado there till the end of his career. Um, you know, it seems like they're not really opposed to spending money at this point, right? They have guys they they have arms and the miners coming up and, and you know they've secretly been not secretly but they've quietly been really good at developing some arms. So you know I think that's a possibility, right? I think I think Blue Jays are a possibility. However, however, not and I just say it's kind of I know Dylan's on a thing. We also got to be smart about what we think is going back, right? Like Gabriel Moreno's a captain. gone.
0: What happened? Alec Manoa gone.
1: Nah, I mean I don't know. Maybe but if I'm it if happens- I'm the Nationals. If I'm the Nationals, I'm, I, I'm obviously asking for it. Do I think that's happening? Not, not really. But, you know, do they have other arms in that farm system that can be, hey, you know, these, are, these guys are, are, are major league. Like, don't throw Nate Pearson in there. Nate Pearson, he's tanked his value with his major league performance. So let's not throw Nate Pearson in there, right? Like, that's no longer a guy that we're like, oh, this is a high-end guy. The guy's 25, right? Same thing with, like, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. The guy's fucking 28 or 27 going to be 28. Those aren't, those guys aren't what you trade a high end piece for. You know what I mean? I'm gonna sound like a homer when I say this, and let's be honest, like I've I've thought about this, so so you know I probably am. Like, Jason Dominguez is someone that we consider a generational talent, right? At least that's what he's been talking about, right? The Martian, uh, Mickey Mantle reincarnated, all those crazy ass shit that people have been saying. If I'm if I'm the, the Nationals asking for him, right? If the Yankees come back at, at me with trade, I'm asking for him. And I'm not saying yes unless I get him. Then you got to say, okay, well, the arms. Look, Yankees got a pretty decent, like, pitching system right now, right, where, where the arms and the minor leagues are pretty good. You know, I, I would say they're up there kind of maybe not as far as top-end talent because uh, Tampa Bay has Shane Baz. But everybody else, they've been pretty fucking good. You have guys throwing 98, 99 consistently. Louis Gill, who just went down with Tommy John, he's only 22 years old. So he's someone that if he he's, he's major league ready and you can put him in whenever you need to. Plus, there's other guys in there, right? I'm not. You notice I didn't say Davy Garcia because he's been trash. So why the fuck would you want to pick him up, right? Like again, you have to look at, at where guys are at this point. Um, but it's gonna be crazy. There's gonna be no short of crazy ass shit that's gonna be talked about when we talk about this thing. But fans, what what, what you guys have to realize. Is that you're not throwing garbage players at this thing and saying, "Oh, we should get Juan Soto for him." So, Yankee fans, if I see another fucking Joey Gallo and Aaron Hicks, plus whatever, for for uh, what's called Soto, I'm gonna fucking murder you because that's not happening, right? Like, like, like you have to, you know, you have to realize how stupid you are if you think that any team is gonna, you know, trade their best player for a fucking season of Joey Gallo and, you know. Like, like it has to make sense, guys. It has to make sense. If if you're not saying yes on on that, if they offered that for your best player, then the other answer is going to also be no. You
2: know what I mean? Like, there's a basic level here. Look, and I want every every baseball fan should make this agreement because because I don't, I honestly don't care what your opinion is. This should just be an agreement that every single fan base makes. Okay. I know, and and this is about Juan Soto acquiring Juan Soto, right? I'm not saying give the Nationals your top 10 prospects, okay? Because that's not, that's not what it's going to take, right? That, 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 realistically, that's not what it's going to take. However, every single fan base, I don't want to hear, I'm in love with this prospect. I'm in love with this prospect. I'm in love with this prospect. Every single fan base should be willing to give up their top Two to three ranked prospects in their farm to acquire Juan Soto. I don't care what the name of the prospect is. I don't care if it's an Adley Rushman. I don't care if it's a Bobby Wood. Like if if the, if that was the question right now, you trade him for Juan Soto. Juan, Juan Soto is younger than some of these ranked prospects. Most of them, actually, yes, yeah. he like, is, bro. What are we talking about? Just every single one. Say. Every single one. Like I just mentioned, Seattle, right? Because my my my. A dream. If I was a Seattle fan, right? Yes, my dream would be to pair Juan Soto with Julio Rodriguez, right? But if they, if the Nationals called me and were like, "We'll send you Soto for Julio," you send them Julio. Like it, it's not really, it's not really not a debate. A
1: question,
2: it's yeah. not a question, dude. And that's the problem. We're having too many questions and arguments about it. It's like, no, it it was like, look, we can say whatever we want about like, oh, how Francisco Lindor is playing. But it was like when the Francisco Lindor conversation was happening, when you're trying to trade for a superstar, you don't argue about your top two or three prospects. You send them, you send them. (laughs) It really should not be an argument. And Juan Soto destroyed that conversation because again, he's 23. He's 23. I think Lindor was 26 or 27 when he got traded. Juan Soto is 23. Like, bro, it, it, it's it's literally again. If you're talking about who you want to add to the to the back end of a trade piece, that's fine. But it, but at the very front, every team, I'm giving up Volpe and Dominguez for for Juan Soto. They, I'll they give them up both. They, they, they wouldn't take Volpe, but that's not bro. Like, but I'm but I'm yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. saying okay. every single team should give up their top two or three prospects. Yeah, every single
0: definitely. team. Yo, e- here's S- what, here's what all here's what all the fans out there need to understand. Two things. Okay, number one. To Rob's point, you give up almost whatever it takes because you're getting back. No joke. This guy will end up a top 10 hitter all the time in Major League history. That's, that's his trajectory. He really could, with a lot of work and luck, both health and just in general luck, he could be a t- the top offensive player that we've ever seen. His plate discipline, the way his approach is, puts him in the Barry Bonds level. Barry Bonds did it for a long time at the highest of levels. So I'm not saying he's going to get there. But I'm not going to go tell you that Anthony Volpe is on the Barry Bonds level right now. You know what I I mean? Jason Dominguez isn't there right now. Mm -hmm. So, number one, you're getting back. I would definitely, I have no problem saying right now that I would put a bet down if somebody would take it that Juan Soto will end up a top 15 hitter offensive player all time, no matter what category you want to look at. After that, you're giving whatever you need. It's going to take an organizational change back like you're going to have to impact them right now you're going to have to impact them for next year five years seven years eight years this is an organizational change type of trade so whatever you want to hold on to that's fine but if you're not changing the if you're not changing the watch nationals organization for this year next year and 10 years you're not offering anything that they're going to want and that's just flat out what it is but you're getting back maybe the best offensive player in the game right now and that's talking mike trout as well
1: Which, by the way, look, and you can even just look at what the Nationals got in return for Scherzer and Turner. Ruiz is going to be their catcher for the next 10 years. He's that good, right? In in, in my humble opinion, Ruiz was the best catcher in the Dodgers organization. That's who they got back. I think he's better than Will Smith. You know what I mean? That's who came back in that trade with the Dodgers. Plus, you got a, a number three with two upside in Josiah Gray. He's already pitching every fifth day for them, right? That's what it took to get that. You got a a starting catcher which has all-star potential. And you also get a pitcher who, who's going to be in your rotation, right? The worst he's going to be is fifth. Other thing you gotta think about too is you're not only getting you're not only getting um Soto, you're gonna have to take on uh Corbin's contract. Patrick Corbin's contract's gonna come with that, right? It's a terrible contract. And what's it called? The Nationals aren't gonna part with Soto. And not say fuck it, we don't no long we no longer want to deal with you, right? So keep that in mind as well, which is something that hasn't really been talked about, right? Like their their plan with this is, we're giving away our best player. Obviously, we're not thinking about contention. So with that, take shit off our payroll, right? Just just whatever whoever is making a lot of money right now, you're gonna take them, and that's gonna be Patrick Corbin. Um, so just an, an, another piece of it to think about. Um, you know, I, I I don't know what Strasburg's uh, contract structure is like. I don't know if he has a no trade or whatever. But if I'm the Nationals, I'm considering him too. Because think about, it. he's injured more often than he's not. You know what I mean? And that's that's a huge piece of their payroll to be on. The I, I think Strasburg's elevator.
0: contract is a thank you for your service. I don't. I think he's going to be the pitching version of Ryan Zimmerman. I really do.
1: Maybe it could be. And he, you know, he he actually is that kind of guy like, as far as the the optics of it. You know, high first round pick. I mean, first overall pick. Um, for the Nationals as an organizational starting, um, so it, it, the that, the potential is there for that. You know, one last thing I want to touch on when it comes to prospects, because because I you know I, I echo I echo Rob's point of your prospects ain't shit. Two years ago, we were talking about Gavin Lux, right? And and if you talk to anybody, oh, Gavin Lux is the next big thing. We should not trade him for for, for uh Lindor. First of all, y'all high, right? Like like like. Get some help because you all fucking stupid if that's really what you thought, right? Gavin Lux wasn't that guy. We've seen it time and time again. Prospects that perform in the minor leagues aren't necessarily going to perform in the fucking majors. We see that right now with Kelenic, who, by the way, I've been on record saying I don't think Kelenic's good, right? Like, I think he'll be okay. He hasn't even been okay, but he crushes minor league pitching, right? Minor league pitching, this dude's the next Babe Ruth. bring him to the majors, that man can't see the ball, right? So. You know, keep that in context as well, right? Just because you're number one in, in in MLB's top prospects doesn't actually mean you're going to be a fucking Hall of Famer, right? It it just doesn't. I, I know it's hard to hear if you're a Julio Rodriguez fan, which I love Julio hey, Rodriguez.
0: Real, real quick on the flip side of that too. Nobody knows the prospects and how they're going to turn out because you know what? A farm system was never ranked in the late knots in the early tens, the Giants. Their farm system was never ranked high, never. They got three rings, and all of their players were were their own guys: Posey, Crawford, Bell, uh, Panda, Linsicum, Kane, Baumgartner. Like that, I just listed off what eight players that were from the farm system that got them three rings, and they were never ranked. Get out of here with that ranking shit. It's it's such a falsehood.
1: Yeah. So look, what that trade looks like, I have no fucking idea. Soto's gonna pay get paid half a fucking billion dollars. Right? I think I think that number's gonna start off a five. Right, Or at least or at least a high four, right? So maybe like 480. We'll, we'll fucking see when we get there. But either way, look, there's other stuff that's happened around the league that hasn't just been Juan Soto no trade rumors. Those are just so exciting that we like, have to talk about it. But look, back to the Mets metting, because that's, that's the other thing that happened this week, right? Max Scherzer went down. He's out for eight to ten weeks. He hurt what was being described as a, as a side injury. Yeah, I, I think know. it
2: was oblique strength.
1: Oblique strain, yeah. So he's down, he's down for eight to ten weeks. Can the Mets survive without Max Scherzer and Grom? Because the is still not back yet either. Do you think the Mets can survive? Because remember, Braves are still a really good team. Braves are still a really good team. In I, I had them win the, the division. I know, I know we talked about uh, Rob's betting habits a little bit before the show. But I, for my money, I hey, still bro, have stop, the making,
2: stop. Stop, stop making me look like a gambling addict out here, man. I'm just
1: trying to win a little to,
2: money to feed my family. Well,
1: Rob's going to gamber's and i But yo, Rob, so I'll so start with you, man. Can, can the Mets survive this, right? Cause now you have the two, one guy getting paid fucking $45 million a year to pitch the Grom, who people call it the goat. Those two guys are out, right? That puts a lot of pressure on guys like Chris Bassett and, and the rest of that staff. Do you think the Mets can survive that?
2: Uh, dude, it's a tough question to answer because if I, I could give you a very easy, no, if I'm just going to subscribe to your notion of the Mets are always going to met <laughs> like, but then if you look at it like it's they're kind of showing us that they can because like yeah the the Scher, the Scherzer injury is definitely going to impact them like he's going to be out for about 2 months um month and a half you know if if everything goes well but they've kind of played great baseball without Jacob DeGrom right that's not to undermine Jacob's DeGrom value in a pitching staff because he I would argue he's the most or Top no worse than top three most valuable pitchers in baseball to have as your number one guy. But they've won games. And again, it might, for the Mets, it's not necessarily that they give me a vibe that they're like a strong contender or anything like that. It's just they're finding ways to win and everything else around them is just helping them, right? Like the Phillies are having their struggles. The Braves are having their struggles. I think, uh, let, me, let me see here, just to, just to get the, the number correct. I think the Braves are seven games. The Braves are currently seven games back of the Mets in the NL NLEs. Um, and if you look at the Mets lineup, dude, I think they literally have maybe two of their everyday guys who's performing at a somewhat what you would call good level right now. Because like Francisco Lindor started off the year hot, but he's kind of cooled off a bit. And other guys that they've gotten, like I know Marte has done his thing in here there, but you can argue, I think, I think most, their, their two hottest hitters have been Pete Alonso and, and, and Brandon Nimmo. So far this year. Right. And, and again, you want to see you uh, when you're talking about your highest contributors, you want to see a Lindor on that list. You want to see a Marte on that list. You know, you want, you want to see a, a, an Eduardo Escobar probably involved a little bit more, you know, some of the guy, newer guys that you brought on, but they're finding ways to win games. That's why I had the question, like, how dangerous are they really? Because if they're winning games without one of the you know top one top tier pitchers in baseball and now let's see if they go if the second one goes down and they're still winning games i dude that that makes them pretty dangerous to me right like it like at least on paper like logically if you think about logically if you take two of the great of the greatest pitchers we've seen in the history of the game of baseball and insert them into a rotation that is winning games then you would expect things to improve so for the Mets, it could be a situation where they end up getting those guys back at the perfect time, and everything goes right for them. But I mean, I don't know, dude. I think I think at the same time, it look. If you say Mets are gonna met. I I think if anything, I would say they've convinced me that they could that they could make a strong push for the NL East. I don't think that they've convinced me that they're going to be a World Series contender this year, at least the way that they've been playing so far. Because I think that it's a good mix of. Atlanta and Philly also not playing to the standard that a lot of people had them. That's kind of giving them this big lead early on.
1: You know, it's, it's going to be weird because I think it, it, it's really going to depend on, you mentioned how well the other teams around them do. I think Philly's a shot, right? Like that, that, that team is so poorly constructed as far as what you're getting on the defensive end of it. And, you know, and the rotation's not great either. I, you
2: know, yeah, I mean, if me, you're not, look, if you're not getting Cy Young, Zach Wheeler, then yeah, then yeah it's going to knock you down a bit.
1: And you, need, you also need kind of at least contending Aaron Nola, right? Yeah. Like you need those two guys to be on every game or, or close to every game, right? No one's on every game. But, Nick, I'll, I'll kick it over to you, man. You know, you've heard me say the Mets are going to Met, but how, how do you see them playing out the rest of this division?
0: So I think this is maybe a bit of a blessing in disguise because now you're not going to push Max Scherzer through the whole year. And as long as they get him back to the playoffs, that's really all that matters. And Mets fans, our great producer, Mr. Abraham, please relax because you have a, you're 12 games over 500 right now. If you do that, if you play 500 baseball for the rest of the year and a Mets team without Scherzer, without DeGrom can play 500 baseball the rest of the season. The difference between the Mets last year and this year, outside of a couple of their big guys that they got, is that the off guys this year are actually playing better than they did last year. Their whole team slumped all year last year. Their whole team, Francisco Lindor, the shit out of all last year. This year, you have guys stepping up. Francisco Lindor started off super hot, white hot, earning every single dollar. He earned all $350 million the first half of this year, it seemed like. Like, that's how hot everybody was for Lindor, and that's how hot he was. But now he's cooling off. But you guys, you got guys like Mark Kana who nobody's talking about, with an above average OPS. Like, You have these guys that are doing just enough to make sure they're not going to slip. So because they can play 500 the rest of the season, even without their two aces, and if they get their aces back, even better, you're talking about 87 wins. I think 87 wins gets into the playoffs. I think that's a top six win total in the National League. So when you look at it, just the math, I don't think the Mets fans should freak out. I don't think the Mets should freak out. You don't have to go trade for Frankie Montas right now. But that's the scary part is that might drive going to go get Frankie Montas. So you bring him over. Is he Max Scherzer? No. No, he's not. Sorry, everybody, even including Frankie Montas, you're not Max Scherzer. But is he a good enough replacement right now? And then you get back to Grom and Scherzer? Yeah, absolutely. So this is not a as bad as it sounds to lose Max Scherzer, especially with that injury, an oblique injury on a pitcher that's at the, you know, kind of twilight of his career, let's say. Um, I mean, it's not a good thing, but... Overall, if you look at it in the big picture, Mets fans, I don't think you really should worry. You're getting production probably from where you did not expect it, and if your guys that you expect to produce come around, now you're talking World Series almost on lock because if you've got that starting staff back full health in the playoffs ready to go, that's intimidating for anybody, even the Dodgers. There's no way the Dodgers go in that series with any sort of comfort level.
1: Yo, I don't want to take this time to have, like, a mini victory lap, but, yo, I said I think the is going to get hurt, and the Grom, we knew it was going to get hurt, so I'm just going to – I got, I got a lot of shit. And the Mets you know, are going to met. Like,
0: I'm already trying to yeah. trade Chris Bassett on all my fantasy teams to know if something's going to happen to him next. He just <laughs> signed with them for the next two years? Like, get out of here. Chris Bassett, you just hurt yourself.
1: <laughs> no, but look, I, look the, the Mets are in an interesting place, right? And as much as I, I give Mets shit, this is the first time in a while that I think that team can actually do it. And I don't mean win the World Series. I mean, possibly they can, right? If the Grom and Scherzer are both healthy at that point, then they're favorite, in my opinion. But getting to a playoff is enough of a challenge. And I think this year, they've shown me enough of the way they've – of how they're playing and how they're winning that I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm starting to come around. I think, I think the Mets are going to win that division too. Um, even, even with the Braves, I think the Braves are just one of those things where it's a little bit dysfunctional right now. There's too much going on with that team, right? Like you have so many question marks and it's not even like are they good or not. That's not the question. The question is just like how do these guys fit with each other? Right, like Eddie Rosario's out with like an eye vision problem. He was hitting like fifty, like point fifty two, but he also couldn't see out of his eyes. Which the fact that you hit the ball at all, like holy shit.
0: He's definitely been playing for the Mets with that kind of shit. That's a Mets thing.
1: That's a Met injury though, right? Like, like I forgot which one was the other. Someone I remember one Met injury was like they slipped on a shower or something like that and they cut their foot. So they had to. The on the ranch cesspitous out here being a, a full-time tree logger on his spare time and the other side to all this in
0: the nle east is for the mets is like the rest of the nle sucks and you know what the Braves yeah. won the world series last year they did and yes right now they're at the same point this year as they were last year yes are they going to go out and trade for the four hottest outfielders in the second half of the year again like probably not and like i was kind of taking my victory lap this time last year yeah the braves really do suck they really aren't that good and now all of a sudden they came around and won it. It this just could be a down year for all of the NL East, and the Mets are just going to play off of it very well.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the, the truth is, the truth is, there's always a little bit of World Series um, hangover, right? Like that's one of the things that they always talk about is World Series hangover. It, it it's going to be tough, man. And the Mets, look, the Mets signed the Grom, I and mean, they they signed Scherzer for October, right? Nothing else matters. To them. This is chips all in. We're going to go ahead. We're going to win a World Series this year. Fuck everybody else. Uh, You know, with that, with that, uh, we do want to get to some uh, cool stories that happen around the league, right? So in the AL East, uh, one of the top prospects out there has been Adley Rushman for the Orioles. Yesterday, he had his first start, got his first major league hit. We had a young catcher hitting a triple. Uh, It's funny. Rob Rob brought up this question uh, probably, like, I think Friday night, Thursday night. You know, does the AL Rookie of the Year come out of the AL West? I said no. I think Ali Rushman is someone that's going to be in consideration for that. But I'm going to kick it to you guys, right? Um, Nick, I'll start with you, Ashley. Do you think the Rookie of the Year comes out of ALS? AL West? For, for the AL, obviously. I, NL, you know that's a whole different thing. but AL West, do you think,
0: gets the Rookie of the Year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Julio really Rodriguez gets get it. With the way he's running, just literally just his speed, he's going to be in that conversation the whole year because he's leading the Major League Baseball in steals. And when you've got that talk every day, that's going to be hard to change the, voter, the voters image because that type of talk puts you even on the when you play on the West Coast, that still gets you in the East Coast news. And so it's going to be tough because with when you've got a rookie leading the league in something for Adley Rutschman to come in and overcome that, that's going to be tough to do. So I think it still comes out of the AOS with uh, with Julio Rodriguez. Rob, I
1: already want I already know your answer, bro. I'm Let to ask you. I already know your answer. <laughs>
2: yeah, don't don't ask me, bro. It's Julio Rodriguez, like exactly. Nick Nick, Nick gave the perfect response.
1: Yo, I'm I'm, man. Look, I, you guys know I love Julio Rodriguez. I I've loved this kid since he was like sixteen, seventeen years old. And he he might very well win Rookie of the Year, right? Right. Like it's not like any of the rookies are really on fire right now, right? Like I can't like there's not one rookie that's like eye opening that we're like, oh shit, like we you know we haven't seen this before. Julio Rodriguez just he. The best out of the mediocre right now. It's what it really is, right? You know, you mentioned he leads in stolen bases, like cool. Um, I don't know, man. Look, I think we're still waiting on that one rookie that comes up and absolutely crushes it. I think it's gonna be Ali Rushman, personally. Uh, you know, I mean, like Bobby Wood Jr. has has kind of been a little bit down. He's he's heating up again, but he he really hasn't started off the gate hot. Uh, Jeremy Pena did start out the gate gate hot, but he's one of the people that I don't necessarily think. That he has the elite talent like that, right? Where where he's gonna be a thirty homer guy, right? Where I think Bobby Wood Jr. can be, where I think Julio Rodriguez can be, but man, I, I I don't know, I I don't know, man. I'm just happy. I'm happy to see yo. The Orioles are low key better than they than, than we thought they were, right? Um, not not that they should be beating the Yankees, not that they should be be beating any team, but that team started to look kind of nice. Started, you know, if John Means didn't go down, they would have had their ace. It's a different looking team, right? Like, I
2: don't know. Yeah, but what's what's nice for the Orioles? Eighty wins, like no, 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 no. That's that, that's superb for the Orioles. <laughs> that's, that's, that's <laughs> what that's I, that's, look that that's a reality that we have to talk with. Like, uh, you know, with Adley Rushman coming up, like Adley Rushman, I th- I agree. Like, I again, I think Julio's gonna win Rookie of the Year, but I still think Adley Rushman is a terrific. Prospect. I think he's going to be great for the Orioles. I think Adley Rushman is exactly the type of cornerstone piece that you at least attempt to build your franchise around. Right. Like I, I'm not going to guarantee that Adley Rushman is going to be one of the Orioles franchise players, but he's a guy that you attempt to to get that type of production and you place in that position. Um, he's going to be great for them. But we've talked about it before. The Baltimore's just blocked up top. Like it's that's just the reality that they're in. At least for the next three or four or five seasons like that's the reality unless you're going to tell me that baltimore is going to change their whole philosophy up and you know start to like give out heavy contracts to after rushman and well, a Grayson tried. Rodriguez they, come up They tried
1: They tried to call his career and cars say, Fuck yeah team.
2: but right so unless you're so then it becomes a situation unless you're going to start getting people to accept your money which hey could happen in the future if adley rushman and a Grayson rodriguez and a john means are are you know healthy and 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 producing and stuff yeah though if I'm sure Baltimore, Baltimore is a great city. Like I'm sure guys will want to go play in Baltimore, but I'm just saying when you have a, we could, and look, the Red Sox are not doing the thing, but when you have a division that is Yankees, Red Sox, Blue Jays, Rays, like you are already at a massive disadvantage before the year even starts. That's just the reality of it. Like we've seen years where, you know, your Machado years and stuff where, yeah, they can definitely, but then you also have, I mean, context, the Yankees were not even like, the Yankees put out some of the worst lineups I've ever seen in my, in my entire Yankee fandom Travis, in Travis, those Travis years. Travis Hafner. Right? Like, bruh. Travis, yeah, the Travis Vernon with w- the Vernon Williams. Wells and Travis Hafner <laughs> lineups. Like, it's like, bruh, like, so I mean, that's just the reality for them. And but I hope I think Adley Rushman is probably the closest thing that they've had, where you look at the Orioles and you say, hey, they have a Manny Machado, right? Like this is this is one of the yeah. premier guys in the league. Adley Rushman is probably the closest thing that they've had to that. Probably mixed in with. Uh, I think he, I think he, personally, I think he surpasses like a Cedric Mullins, right? Like in terms of like, uh, uh, in terms of like the, the face of the franchise, but Cedric Mullins is also a nice him. piece. Yeah. Like Cedric Mullins is a yeah. nice piece to, to, but to he, have he, on the he, team. He's, he's
1: regressed though. He's, he's regressed a lot.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But so Adley is definitely at that stage where I think, yeah, you look at him as like, hopefully you leave Balt you lead Baltimore to something more than they've been in recent seasons.
1: Yeah, man. Like where the, where the catching game is right now, it's kind of a like special place. Cause we we mentioned it during our catcher rankings. There's not really any kind of solid catchers after four or five, right? It gets it gets really yeah. murky after that. Right now, the catchers under 25 that are going to come up are, are, it's it's beautiful. Yeah. Right. We mentioned Ruiz. I I think he's he's a guy who's going to be an All Star. Um, you know, multiple times All Star. Joey Bart, right, taking over for the great uh, Buster Posey. You know. He, he he was a high round pick. He was, he was a high round. First, he was a high first round pick.
0: Cool. And he's already back down.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, he he's got some some stuff in his game he has to figure out.
0: Yeah. Um. But nah, it's a. You know what
2: it is, dude. It's now that I'm actually like thinking about it. It's 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 a level. It's a different level of elite. Like the catchers that are coming up. We saw that when we had, like, you think of, like, your Joe Mauer, Buster Posey, Yadier Molina era, right, where you right. had catchers who were superstars, right, like, in the yeah. game. Then we kind of had that little break of, yeah, the, maybe the most talented guy we got was, like, a Yasmani Grandal or a J.T. Raubudo, right, but where really, they yeah. are not stars, but an Adley Rushman or a Kyber Ruiz could be that yeah like you know like that i think that's the difference and and like you said i know you being a catcher like it's an exciting it it, it definitely cool. is a more exciting time for the catching. even
1: even like with the rays i mean not not the rays, um with the blue jays yeah like gabriel moreno i think he's gonna be really good
2: right yeah, the blue jays haven't had a, level, really. a decent catcher in, in in a while
1: yeah i mean you know Alejandro kirk's not it but <laughs> but not <laughs> like i think look it, it's an exciting time for the backstop position just because the game is reimagined, right? Where we no longer expect these guys. Like, like I remember back in like the '90s, if one of your catchers sat on a knee, he was looked at as what the fuck's he doing, right? Now that's that, now that's the norm, right? Now we we're we're, we're we're gonna get longer careers out of these guys, is what I'm hoping. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's, it's a, beautiful, a beautiful place to be. Like I, I'm really excited for for Adley. I hope he gets it done. I think he's gonna crush it. Let's talk about something that's not as fun, and. We out here brawling, we out here brawling, boys. Which, yo, yo. By the way, hold up. I don't care who you are. There's no way I'm ever picking a fight against someone who has Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, <laughs> and like Joey Gallo, like on that. And and, and Garrett Cole. Garrett kind of crazy. Which I have never thought I'd. Bro, Garrett Cole is kind of crazy, bro. Like he's he's, bruh. he's not he's not right. He's
0: not he's the silent assassin for sure. Like, bruh, he's, he's, he's like, weird, crazy. He's,
2: he's like, yeah. the, dude, he's like Mark Zuckerberg of like pitching, bro. Like, like, <laughs> like I'm really starting to question if you're an actual human being, bruh. Like, bro. Like, because Cole, Cole weird, bro. Like, it, I mean, he's elite, but like, oh man. You know, the video, the video that's
1: come out of Cole this year is probably the best video I've ever seen. There's one video where he's like singing at the top of his lungs, uh, the national Ant- or something, stretch, whatever the fuck it was. There's videos of him high-fiving his teammates, which it looks like if you went to a class like How to High-Five a Human, right? Where it's like, hand out straight, <laughs> above shoulder, stand there till they respond, kind of thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yo, Yeah, right. no, but what we're really talking about, though, is on, on Saturday afternoon, Yankees-White Sox, season long, there's been, there's been a few altercations between Josh Donaldson and the White Sox. Um, Josh Donaldson tagged tim anderson pretty aggressively at third base one day um there's rumors of this going back all the way to last year when josh donaldson when when Luis giolito was a victim of one of josh donaldson's uh sticky stuff uh rants right so josh donaldson is not a fan favorite in chicago but anyway yesterday after i forgot I, I i don't remember what the situation was but at one point josh donaldson called tim anderson jackie um you know obviously referring to jackie robinson um, you know, let's not muddy it. Tim Anderson's black, uh, but, you know, obvious connection there. But there's also been stuff where Tim Anderson called himself Jackie Robinson. Um, so where do you guys stand on this? And, and, and Nick, I, I know you, you're you not as brushed up on it, but we, you kind of got a in. But what's your take on this, man?
0: Yeah, so this, this is just a bad spot. I mean, Josh Donaldson's a douchebag, just a big old douchebag. I mean, he's proven it time and time again. The other part, though, is he's crazy. Like, he literally told Lucas Giolito, who is six foot five, probably actually six seven. If you listen to Rose Rotation and you'd actually hear him, like, this guy's probably, let's go six 280. Six, and Josh Johnson's all about meeting him in the parking lot and legitimately wanted to be there. So, yeah, let's not go try to pick a fight with Giancarlo Stan and Judge, who could probably rip you in half, but like Mortal Kombat style. But Josh Johnson might be crazy enough to do that. Um, but he's out of pocket. This is, there's no place in any sport or the world for this kind of talk. Like you know what you're doing, Josh Donaldson. There's no way you're gonna play this off. You weren't trying to call him the best second baseman ever as he plays shortstop for the Chicago White Sox. Like, come on. Like that's not that was not a compliment. There's no way you're gonna spin this. You just really want to get under skin. And I think MLB should step in with Josh Donaldson and give some sort of significant suspension because there's just if you're trying to go for inclusion and with just with the diversity that baseball is trying to get and it has right now. Like let's be real, we're talking about getting all people from all over the world, all out in countries all the Caribbean, so many Asian countries. Now this is not this time or place for this to do it. And you have two very high profile teams doing this. It's just not a good look. Um, I'm not the biggest Tim Anderson fan, but every time adversity pops up, he seems to be on the right side of it where he just this, look, this is what I believe in and you don't have to like it. And I got to respect that at a very high level. He's not backing down from anybody on his stances and he's willing to be vocal for it. So, you know, Tim Anderson props to you. If I, heard correctly on uh, a little report I heard is that Tony La Russa has got two managers back on this and was going after Josh Donaldson like that's when you know this is a serious problem and that's just gonna maybe bring some clubhouse togetherness for the White Sox to their coach who isn't a clubhouse favorite up until this point
1: yeah so, so I'll say this like I'm not I'm not I've never really been a big fan of Josh Donaldson as far as like a human being right like I think like he, he's been pretty vocal about um like his approach to the game and stuff like that, and you know it's helped some people, it's hurt some people. Um, but I was I was really quick to say, "Oh shit!" Like he fucked up, until some of the some more of the context came out, and and Rob knows more of the context. So Rob, I'll, I'll take it over to you, man.
2: Yeah, no, um, you know it's definitely a situation that you don't want to be in with Josh Donaldson and, and Tim Anderson, but there is, again. I'm just giving the general context because this is like what had actually come out. So three years ago, there was, um, I believe it was an article or a a video or something like that, that was talking about Tim Anderson. And it was talking about, you know, Tim Anderson himself, like talking about like people referencing him as, you know, like a a modern day, you know, like version of of Jackie Robinson and things like that. It was talking about some of the things that Tim had uh, had accomplished. Uh, community service-wise, in Chicago, and all that stuff is great. Like, like I've I've said it multiple times. Like Tim Anderson does great stuff for the community of Chicago. He's great for the game of baseball. Like the guy is one of the is one of the most entertaining players that that we have. The guy wears, you know, he, he's he's the kind of baseball player who wears his heart on his sleeve. Um, but again, it's it's like you guys said, right? Even if the intent was not there to be racist or anything like that, when you reference a Black or African American player as Jackie. It just I don't know how you can say that to someone without it having a racist, like tone to it or something, right? Like it's just (laughs) like that, like again, I'm I again I'm not making the statement that Donaldson did have that intent or anything like that. I'm just saying that it's very hard for you to and again, Donaldson confirmed that he did call him Jackie. So that's not an assumption that we're making or like, oh, this is what Tim Anderson said. No, Josh Donaldson. For, took took accountability and confirmed himself that he did call him Jackie. For the context that Donaldson gave was that he was referencing that article that came out 3 years ago and that him and Tim Anderson have joked about it before and that he has also called Tim Anderson Jackie before and they've laughed about it and things like that. However, like I said before as well, it's not it's not my place, it's not anybody's place for me to tell a black man how they should feel about a comment like that because it's, we know the the we know the the weight that uh, that calling someone Jackie especially in the game of baseball holds. We know what you're referencing like we know like we know why you're saying it, right? Because you're not yo, Josh Donaldson ain't out here calling Jake Cronenworth Jackie, right? Like, you okay. feel me? Like like there's a reason why you're doing it. So like even if like even if the intent wasn't racist, like it's kind of like um I feel, to me it's it's like a low level attempt to kind of like poke the bear kind of thing, right? Like like you knew that, that that comment was going to like draw a reaction out of him. Um and and yeah, and like you said too, like we've seen we've seen Donaldson and and Tim Anderson go go at it all year. Um unfortunately, look man, to be honest with you too, I don't think this is something that's done because and I'm not and I'm not talking about the racist comment. I'm talking about more of like the altercations because um Donaldson has kind of infused that energy in the Yankee locker room. Like, if you, look at, if you look at even the way that Aaron Judge carries himself now, Aaron Judge is a humble guy, but look, not for nothing. Look at the way that Aaron Judge answers some questions this season. Aaron Judge knows what he's doing. Like, Aaron Judge is very aware that he is one of the top players in baseball right now. Aaron Judge is, is very aware of the contract that is coming his way. Aaron Judge is very aware of what his standing is. Garrett Cole is very aware of how he's pitching right now. Like, I, yo, my man was walking around with no sleeves the other day. I was like, bro, like, I thought he was going to go audition for the new Major League movie or something. Like, it was just like, bro, Garrett Cole feeling himself. Like, if Garrett Cole's out here feeling himself, that's a problem for the rest of baseball because Garrett Cole is going to come and try to win a Cy Young. Like, it's like, th- th- and that's the type of energy he's, he's infused. Again, this is not an excuse. I'm just talking about the general change that I've noticed with this Yankee team. And like you pointed to before, yeah, Donaldson is not one of. The, I don't think John Josh Donaldson by any standard is one of the greatest guys in baseball or anything like that. But we're seeing like a difference, and that's why I think we're going to see more altercations because, dude, we've seen heated games with the White Sox this year. We've seen heated games with the Indians this year. Um, I, I'm I'm sure we're going to have heated games with the Red Sox. Like you know, it's like it's things like that. And and again, all of that combined with the Yankees also winning. Like, it's like, it's kind of giving them this like brand new attitude or whatever that they kind of weren't having these last couple years. So again, it's, it's an unfortunate situation on Donaldson's part. Like I said, he should have known better than to, than to make that comment, even if it was a joke between you two, because again, if he feels uncomfortable in that moment, that's his right to feel uncomfortable and offended in that moment. Like, because the comment, again, it can't, it does not matter if you try to avoid it. It carries a racial undertone and you as a human should know that. So, like, that that's what the situation is, but I don't think this, we're anywhere near this being the end of, of any type of altercation between the Yankees and White Sox.
1: You know, I, I think if, if you're Josh Donaldson, you got to be a little bit smarter of, of where you're at, right? Because, you know, to, to kind of couple in with this, some, like, Nestor Cortez tweets from, like, when he was a teenager came out, or, like, he used lyrics to, to rap words, and obviously, like, the N-word is not it, too, by the way. You know? We're just at a point where anything like that comes out automatically. You're 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 just not gonna be seen in good light, which you know whether you should or should, shouldn't be like I don't I don't know right I'm not the fucking like life police you you do with it whatever the fuck you want with, but um as far as the you know the impact it's having the Yankees, I absolutely love the fact that teams want to fight us, right? I I love the fact that there's that kind of energy, um you know I I, I ab- like. I do not condone what Josh Donaldson did, or you know, whatever in whatever context it is, right? Like, you know, am I gonna call him racist? No, but is he is it a little bit racist? Maybe I don't fucking know, but you know, with, with the energy that he's bringing, I, I do like that part, right? Like, uh, you know, fight with teams. The team, I th- I think baseball needs it. I think baseball needs emotion, and not like the fake emotion, right? Like, and, and not just happy emotion. People love watching fights, right? There's a reason why boxing sells out for $100 per -per pay-per-view. I I think the fact that people think some shit's going to go down makes, yo, I literally, I kind of, I was watching the game last night before, I I mean, yesterday afternoon when it happened, right? And Yankees went up 5-0. I was like, fuck it, let me play a little bit. I'm going to be the show while shit's going on. Then I get a notification on my phone saying, yo, bench is clear. Right away, turn off, turn off. I'm going to be the show. We're watching this game because some shit's about to go down right? I think it's good for baseball. Like, I think, like, like hockey, right? Like, I think the only part I even care about hockey is that they've, I mean, once in a while they fight with each other. I don't know if that still happens or that's just a purely 2000s thing. But um, yeah, man, like, 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 like you, you gotta love it. You, you gotta love it. Uh, right. For- he needs
2: to, it, Donaldson just needs to find a better way, like, to to poke at, at Tim Anderson. Like, if I was Donaldson, <laughs> I would literally, like, every every game that we have from them, like, here on out, anytime I walk past Tim Anderson, I'm making my mission to name every single shortstop I think is better than him. <laughs> yes. Just to annoy the hell out of him. Right? Like, I would literally walk past Tim Anderson and be like, Correa,
0: Lindor, Bichette. Like, you know, like, Tatis Jr. Maybe that's what he was right. doing. He was just starting his list at the very top right. of Jackie. And he's going working work his way down all time. Yeah. Great shortstop.
2: Right. You know, like, hey, you play second too? Jackie. Like, you know, maybe maybe that's it. But like not, nah, like, you know, you have to find better ways. I get I get it. And 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 for sure, like, yo, we've seen it with the Blue Jays, right? Like the Blue Jays got some got some got some energy towards us this year, too. Like if we annoy other teams, that's I agree with you. That's great. I love, want, I love, love that it. type of energy. I'm just saying. And, and you said it, too. You don't condone it. Yeah. The way that that particular comment, bro, just find different you, you ways to it. go about even,
1: it. Like even even if what you said is completely why you said it. And yeah. even if you and, 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 and Tim Anderson really did joke around like that,
2: like where we're at in today's world, it, you just can't do it. You have to be smarter than that, right? You can't yeah. put yourself in a situation where, where we're here talking about it, trying to make sense of it. Yeah. So so let me, like question. avoid it. Have,
0: have either of you guys ever heard of Josh Johnson being a tat bad teammate? Have you heard of anybody talking smack about him as a teammate?
1: Well, no, but I'll, I really don't hear no, that about but, much people, to be honest with
0: you. Because I, I haven't either, but <laughs> usually you will hear yeah. about bad teammates, right? I've never. The only heard bad that. teammate I've ever really heard about is uh, Trevor Bauer. <laughs> there you go. So, but at the same time, you also know if they're good teammates, and I've heard a lot of people talk well, very well about being teammates with Josh Donaldson. Maybe he's just a puppet master, because to your guys' points, you're seeing differences in your team, your players. Yeah. Maybe he is just this guy that's playing the mental side of it as good as anybody in the league. You're getting the Yankees to be hated not only for monies and trades and blah, prospects, now for winning. Let's be real. The Yankees are back to where they should be, being hated for winning more than everybody else. And if you've got people wanting to actually physically fight you to take down the number one badass boss in the MLB, that's a good spot for baseball and the Yankees. Maybe Josh Johnson is just that puppet master because I've never heard a bad thing said about him from any teammate. Yeah, he gets in the skin of other teammates a lot, a la AJ Pruszynski, but all of his teammates from what I know, are on his team and they are happy about it. I've heard lots of positive things. Maybe he's just playing all of us and he knows exactly what he's doing every step of the way.
1: Yeah, I mean, yo, like, he, Donaldson reminds me of this one teammate I had in high school. His name is Ray Ray, where he was the loudest, most obnoxious person in the fucking world. Where if he was, if he wasn't on your team, you'd probably want to fucking murder him, right? And like growing up, I played against him and I was like, yo, I fucking hate Ray Ray.
0: I've had but those teammates when, when, too. I might have been that teammate. Yeah.
1: <laughs> When he was on, when he's on your team though, you're like, oh yo, this guy's amazing. He's my favorite teammate of all fucking time. He's just legit. He was a fucking insane. He's like, he was like that guy going like hackling like a like a jackal like at the top of the dugout steps. Like, what the fuck are you doing, right But like, you know, it energized us, right? It kind of gave us an edge because it's like, yo, if they allow this crazy ass motherfucker on this team and they're okay with it, like, what does everybody else look like? Um, <laughs> yo, one quick thing before we get off the the AL East though. Yo, Red Sox are kind of kicking up. Trevor Story, three homer game, followed by a grand slam, like, so 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 real quick. On a scale of one to ten, no, I see that's a stupid scale. Do you think the Do you think the Red Sox can come back into it? it no, is what I'm saying. No,
0: no chance. You, you no.
1: they're
2: don't dead.
0: Say no, they're dead.
1: Damn, I I say I say yes, but just because everyone else around him is kind of scuffling too, I mean, like they played they they played the the Mariners. The Mariners are a team that should beat them if they're, if they're playoff hopefuls. Red Sox kind of beat them around. The Blue Jays, who we know are the Blue Jays, are closer to the Red Sox in fourth place than they are the Yankees in first. So, I mean, I don't know. I, th- I think the Red Sox uh, have some things here. But Nick, you wanted to mention, man, a special shout-out to Yadier Wayno for hitting 203.
0: Yeah, so you're all-time battery mates for most wins MLB history, 203 wins. And the reason I want to bring it up is uh, number one, just the numbers to it. Like for these two to be together that long, so 203 wins for any pitcher over any length of career in this day and age, that's good mm-hmm. right there. Like that's good right there. 203 wins. Probably, that, probably that, never that, see it again, to be honest with you. But we might. We really <laughs> might not. That which sucks. So this is Hall of Fame numbers, right? Let's be real. 203 is a Hall of Fame conversation number for twins. That's just a pitcher. So let's just say Adam Wainwright's pretty good. He averages 16 wins a year. That puts him at 12, over 12 and a half years of 16 wins. There's not a lot of pitchers doing 16 wins for any stretch of time, much less 12 years in a row. So the numbers just for the pitcher, this is a 15, this is a good 15 year career. That's stellar on its own to have a good major league team, major league, uh, major league contract career for that long is just awesome. Now let's go to the catcher. Now you're talking about the catcher catching consistently for those same 15 years. That's insane that these guys did this. i really. It really is. I mean, what are catchers right now, really? Seven, eight years? So you're going to double what you're expecting out of a catcher at this point. Oh, by the way, as a catcher, you have to be hitting enough, play good enough defense to stay there every day. Unless you're this guy's personal catcher. Oh, and let's just throw on you're going to stay on the same team for that long? Like That's what you're going to do? Oh, on a team that's competitive every year for the playoffs and World Series? What the? This is this is magical. This is why baseball is so romantic. This is why baseball is so amazing. Uh, Adam Wainwright went to Yadier Molina's hometown this year for Thanksgiving and had Thanksgiving dinner with him in his home country. Like, there is a special bond that if you don't recognize what's going on, oh, and they have our pool holes in the mix as well. Like, this uh, farewell tour is going to be insane. I'm actually thinking about going to St. Louis this year if I can afford a quick weekend trip just to go watch these guys together in that city. But. This is historic on levels that we will never see again. There's no chance. I mean, you're talking, I think that they passed, um, uh, some no-name group from the 1880s, but they passed Whitey mm-hmm. Ford and Yogi Berra. Yogi, yeah. Uh, like, let's, let's say that again. They passed Whitey <laughs> Ford, Hall of Famer, Yogi Berra, Hall of Famer, and more there. rings than fingers.
2: Wow. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yo, wow. um, by the way, just because just I don't want to leave them out here, um, uh Nolan Griman, uh he got his first hit too. He they called him up.
0: Uh yeah, he got two more today. That 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 dude's gonna rake. That guy could change the the Cardinals season this year. Really could. If he if he puts the bat on the ball enough, he could really help him out.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, man, they they brought him up with, with Matt Libertor, who's who's gonna step in that rotation. Uh Jack Flattered, he's, he's he's out longer than expected, so uh, no, yeah. he's
0: he's going he's still back early June is the prognosis. They just moved into the sixty day for the roster moves, but he still got the gotcha, same expected gotcha. day back.
1: All right, cool, cool. All right, man. Well, look, I feel like this is a good place to end the uh, Rob. You got anything to, to finish us off off on?
0: Yeah, there
2: there was just one one quick thing I wanted to say just from you know the the craziness that goes on in my mind and looking at the numbers. Um, I don't think we've ever like hit something so correctly. As our third base ranking, because, like, oh, yeah, honestly, bro, like, when we called when we were talking about our third base rankings and we talked about there is literally four people and everyone else is after them. When you look at the numbers right now, it's literally four MVP level players and everybody else. So, I'm just saying, for anyone who's listening out there, if you're having any conversation with any baseball fan or anything, and the conversation comes, hey, who, who, who. Who are the top guys at third base right now? Who's the Mount, the Mount Rushmore of, of, of current third basemen? If the four people named are not Manny Machado, Nolan Arenado, Jose Ramirez, and Rafael Devers, in whatever order you want to name them, the person is incorrect. The person is incorrect. Because the division at third base right now is crazy. And if we talk about legitimate value, because we talked about it a lot when we were talking about the shortstop free agents, right? Those four guys, our name, are legitimately $300 million value players. I'm paying every single one of those guys $300 million. Every single one. And obviously, you know, Nolan Arenado's a little bit more up. But I'm talking about like when Nolan Arenado was at the point yeah, where yeah. he got his contract and he got the 260 from Colorado. Yeah, like I would have given him $300 million easily. Like it's, it's not anything I think about. Devers should get $300 million. I know Rafael Ramirez signed the contract that he signed in Cleveland. But I'm just talking about value. If a team was actually looking at the stats that Jose Ramirez puts up, he's a $300 million player. Like it's, it's that type of separation. And I just want to give those four guys shout outs because they're playing like MVPs. And, and I, don't think they, I don't think that group collectively gets enough credit as like, because think about it, Ramirez and Machado, Arenado and Endeavors they're guys that get surpassed a lot in MVP level conversations. Yeah, and those four guys are superstars so i'm just here to give them a quick shout out because they're doing exactly what they should be doing and it, when we talk about real high value there 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 it is at third base
1: it, it's kind of sad man because you know what these guys really don't get talked about enough they do
2: arenado who's you know year in year out like one of those guys
0: none of them have out. an
2: mvp none of them have an mvp dog like yeah. and every single one of them has put up mvp level seasons and none of them have one like it's I just I just think that they deserve a shout out because it's it's crazy the the stats that they put year in and year out. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna dig at you real quick because there's
1: somebody else having a, a top ten third base season that we're not talking about, and that's circle Brian Hayes. Oh, someone, hey. someone who was omitted from us for whatever reason,
2: Robert. Hey, well, it it it, it is what people. it is. It is it is what it is. He still made what what? So he mixes in with whoever's <laughs> after those four guys. Cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, just just messing with you, man. Nah, but just um,
1: no. Brian Hayes having a pretty good season too, though. Um, he plays for uh, the future Juan Soto home of the Pittsburgh. Bro, Hayes,
2: O'Neal me Juan Bro, Brian Hayes and O'Neal Cruz would have to go to Washington for Juan Soto to end up in Pittsburgh, bro. <laughs> Yo, Nick,
1: and that's any, okay. Any Do that shit.
0: <laughs> Nick, Was that
1: anything for us to end up? No, I just
0: want to bring up the the Weno thing was the Weno and Yachty thing was just where it is. But I mean, this season's turned out really good. Um, There's a lot to be, you know, to play. Obviously there is with every season, but there's some, there's some storylines, you know, the twins still at the AL central, like, can they hold on the Mets with, they're going to met and still win. Are they? Well, let's find out the Dodgers, you know, one thing for the Dodgers and I'm a Dodgers hater, like the dog turds are absolutely my least favorite sports franchise in the entire world. They just win. Like, they've got so much depth. They've got so much talent. Some of their guys still aren't even doing what they're doing. It's scary for them to be where they're at. And, you know, the Padres are creeping up. I hope the Padres stay up there. That would be amazing to see three 100-win teams out of the NL West. I just hope they can stay doing this through the entire season to the fall off they had last year.
1: Yeah, man, Padres are 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 pretty sneaky. No one talks about the Padres right now. I, I feel like after last year and their their collapse, they're just like
0: yeah, – And nobody trusts them.
1: And... Nobody yeah, trusts them. yeah. yeah. They have different managers, though. They're a different guy in there. Uh, Bob Melvin really – well, it's early. But Bob Melvin seems to have an impact on that team. Uh, Eric Hosmer is back
2: to life. Um, they got the undisputed MVP frontrunner right now. Machado, Machado's oh, the yeah. MVP right now. I don't care what nobody's saying. Today, <laughs> today, May 22nd, Manny Machado's the NL MVP. I don't care.
1: Pete Alonso might have something to complain about. I don't
2: care. I don't care. <laughs> Pete could, Pete could talk with, Pete could go have a, a three-hour conversation with Steve Cohen and cry about it. Like, I don't care. <laughs>
1: Nah, man, yo. So, so that's a great place to end, Daniel. we'll catch you guys next time. Get the fuck out of here.
0: Thank you, everybody, for listening to Diamond Talk. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up at diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. That's diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. To catch up on our old episodes, or if you want to check out the rest of the awesome pods that we have under the SSAW network, head to our website at tssaw.com and do not forget to subscribe. See y'all next week, and we'll catch you on the field.